point in time anyone who wishes to address the commission on any items that are not on the agenda this evening now would be the time to do so oh and i forgot we don't have an agenda so how would you know this is the only item we There also was a sign-up sheet. I forgot to mention that. So everyone needs to sign up. I put it right there. Okay, good. Thank you. Next item on the agenda is approval of minutes from August 4th, 2022. Are there any additions, deletions, clarifications on these minutes? And move we approve the minutes from August 4th, 2022. Thank you, Brian. Might there be a second? Second. Thank you, Linda. All those in favor, please signify by saying yes. Yes. Opposed saying no. Chair votes yes. Motion is carried. The minutes are approved. Next item on the agenda is the land lot, land lot subdivision PL 20220050, sketch subdivision petition for 32 units. Typically, we look to hear from the petitioner to start off with comments. Um, and is there such a person here? Uh, I have a presentation ready. You're on. Ready? Yes, sir, please. Is there a laser pointer? Uh, Alan's got one, I think, available. Uh, Typically, I not. I don't have a laser pointer. Not a big deal. Okay, I'm going to start You may. Uh, start with the first slide here. This is the Land Away subdivision. Before you get to started, could you introduce yourself, please? Yes, sorry. Uh, pardon me. My name is Joe Wiedemeyer. I'm a four point surveying engineering, design engineer, project manager for this. Thank you. Um, I don't believe the developer is present today uh, with Eagle Mountain Builders, but I am here to make this presentation uh, on behalf of my client and myself. Okay, um, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm pleased to present our sketch plan concept for the Mandalay subdivision in Stagecoast. Stagecoast, lots of consideration are located along uh, the highlighted road there, Rock County Road 16. They consist of lot eight shown here, which is currently zoned high density residential, and lots nine, 9A, and 9G, which are zoned general residential. Um, the lots are currently vacant and have a combined acreage of approximately nine acres. Lots 9, 9A, and 9B already have some earthwork done. This includes uh, rough cuts for roads that need grades. It is our anticipation to use those rough cuts as our roads. Uh, slide two. I don't have control over it. Anymore. Yeah, I'm sorry. We're doing fine. That's good. Um, so this is just a more detailed view of the existing conditions plan, which you all have had an opportunity to look at. It's provided in the, in the agenda. Um, like I said, nine acres is currently platted as four lots. You would combine lots uh, 9, 9A, and 9B. 
into the single family and duplex lots, and then 9A would become a uh, more of a, a condo flat, if you will, with some higher higher density, I guess you'd call it medium density residential fourplexes. Um, you can go on to slide three. So our main design goals for the land away subdivision, um, many design goals were implemented with a sketch plan to meet the existing character and housing classes surrounding subdivision developments. Surrounding developments include single-family subdivisions, Red Hawk, Meadow Green, and Blacktail, and higher-density developments including the Wagonville Condos and Eagle Nest Row Houses. If you want to get a better idea of where those are at, they'd be on the first slide. Just already said that. Um, we believe that um, we believe the subdivision plan is reflective of all surrounding developments and is appropriate from both an economical and practical standpoint. The potential in housing development variation proposed will offer a wide range of practical and affordable options for home buyers. Open space standards are well exceeded with this plan, providing almost three times the required amount for subdivision standards. We are providing almost set approximately 27% of open space of the total acreage of, the, of all the lots. Um, we're proposing a park and a dog park, ample amount of trails, almost a mile's worth, and then probably some undisturbed natural areas that won't be developed. Um, housing variation includes single family lots, duplex or twin home lots, um, and also fourplex condos with detached garages and overflow parking throughout the subdivision. Yes, parking too. Um, engineering and design was accounted for for future development that is possible. And this could occur on the golf course property located to the north and west of the development. Um, finally, with increased threats of wildfires, we believe wildfire mitigation plan is an important piece of this overall development. So this is just the site plan, which is available to you in the agenda. Um, we have a looped road going down, following duplexes and looping around fourplexes, and then a separate road for the other fourplexes, uh, just north of Red Hawk, and then a possible extension um, at the end of that road to the west. There's also another extension possibility on the north end where the loop starts or where the loop turns around. Um, we really like the concept of the cul-de-sac with single-family lots, because I think cul-de-sacs are a very desirable uh, place to build a single-family home. Um, and as you can see, we have perimeter trails pretty much throughout the entire development, uh, and then some, and then a park in the middle along with the dog park, and then also some kind of pocket open spaces. Uh, overflow parking, we have some. 10 spots of overflow parking allocated at the entrance, at the south entrance, and then more pocket overflow parking provided around four places. Uh, you can move on to the next slide. Um, this is just a close-up shot of the park and the dog park, and then this open space up here in the upper right-hand corner, which will primarily just be an open space and you know trails and accessibility for all the residents of the subdivision. Uh, you can go on to the next slide. So that being said, Four Points and Eagle Mountain Builders have worked conscientiously to design land subdivision 
in line with the standards and recommendations according to the stagecoach community plan, the route county subdivision standards, and the route county master plan. No variances to standards or code are proposed or anticipated with this development. Uh, finally, I'll just outline the critical infrastructure that was proposed or presented in the sketch plan. For transportation, we have standard 20 foot, four foot wide roads and future access to the north and west if possible. Overflow guest parking, a cul-de-sac for single family lots, and a looped road for uh, overall better accessibility. Uh, water and sewer, we are following the um, Morrison Creek Metropolitan Water and Sewer District standards. Uh, we are providing an eight-inch loop water main, a eight-inch gravity sewer, <coughs> and two of the four plexes would need to be provided two-inch low-pressure sewer service and grinder pumps due to topographic constraints. Um, the water and the sewer both provide future development connection points. Uh, lastly, stormwater infrastructure. If this goes to more detailed design construction drawings, there will be implemented BFPs, stormwater BFPs, uh, <coughs> stormwater infrastructure design. So that concludes my presentation of the Land Lake Subdivision Sketch Plan. Thank you for your attention. Before you sit down, Mr. Um, yes. Wiedemeyer, sorry. Um, Questions for the petitioner at this point in time, commissioners? Is, is the South Road 24 feet wide paved surface also? Yes. One more question. How big is the dog park? How many do you know? Square feet, I don't have an exact answer. Um, I guess you could go like a hundred yards you or could go into the bigger. If, if you go to the zooms, and I think I might be able to give you a better estimation. Um, these parking stalls are at nine feet wide, and there are five of them there. I mean, it's probably about eighty by a hundred. It looks like kind of triangular shape. So I did some rough calculations, and I came up with approximately thirty-two hundred square feet. Thirty-two. Okay. So about half. You said something about the uh, parks and the trails for for subdivision use. Is that all public use or just subdivision? Yes, uh, it would be open to public use. Okay. I have one question, and I, I recognize and allow for the fact that this is a sketch. But do you have a feel for the square footage of the class? The four uh, the fourplexes? Yeah. So, in my experience, a standard row house in a fourplex, as we show, is about anywhere from 1,200 to 1,500 square feet, not including the garage. Right. We like the detached garage option because it would most likely be unheated, lower cost to build, overall lower cost to buy. Any other questions? Yeah, Brian. So is the middle road that's 24 feet wide, is that a 30 foot right away that you're showing? It's just hard to read the number. Yeah, uh, it is a bit blurry. Um, the right away is probably more like 50.
should be in the uh, existing conditions. Right. There would be an existing right middle road, fifty foot right away. Thanks to my major glasses. Yeah. <laughs> but unless I missed my unless I misread it, then the loop road doesn't that say thirty foot right away? I I think it says fifty. No, 30 for the middle. Yeah, it says 30. That would be the private. Yeah. Okay. That's your question. That's the question. You got it. 30 feet. Alan? Well, 30 and 50. Yeah. Give me one second. No Yes. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, typically, the process is we, we hear from the petitioner initially first, and we'll hear from staff and their comments and observations. And then I will open it up to questions from the commissioners. Then we'll open up for public comment. Can we ask questions? During the public comment portion, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's a misnomer. Comment slash questions. All right. Yep. So we're here today to consider the sketch subdivision application for the land delay uh, development. Since this is conceptual, not all details are present. If this application is approved by the Board of County Commissioners, then it will move on to preliminary subdivision where all of the detailed studies and detailed drawings will be submitted. The goal of tonight's hearing is to determine compliance with the master plan and the stagecoach community plan and to provide feedback on any identified issues. Um, this is, you will be making a recommendation to the Board of County Commissioners, and the Board of County Commissioners will have the final decision. And so staff's recommendation is to approve this application with the conditions of approval that are in the staff packet. And so I'm going to go over some of the, a brief overview of the history of this site. So this property was originally zoned high density residential in 1972 as part of the original stagecoach development. In 1988, a subdivision exemption was granted, which created two lots. And so this area that I'm speaking about includes the green and the yellow highlighted areas on the screen. In 1998, one of these lots, the green, was subdivided into three lots and a zone change was granted from high density residential to general residential. In 1999, the first stagecoach community plan was adopted. And then in 2008, there was a subdivision of one of, one of uh, this lot right here into two into two for a total of five lots in the Snow Globe subdivision. 
All five of these lots are the subject of this application. And the plaque for this that subdivision approval of that most east lot has not been recorded. Many extensions to the deadline to record that plaque has been granted. And the current deadline is July 8th of 2024. So if y'all recall in 2021, the applicant received an approval to rezone lots 9, 9A and 9B from general residential to medium density residential. As part of that, there was an approval for six single family lots on top of the hill. So in, in this area right here, and four duplex lots on the side of the hill right here for a total of 14 units. And so throughout my presentation, I'm going to be referencing the number of units instead of the number of lots because that gives a more accurate explanation of uh, what the density would be in the potential impacts. So the proposal in front of us, in front of you tonight is uh, for 41 total units, and that includes five single family residences on top of the hill. So re reduction of one from what was approved a year ago, four duplexes on the side of the hill, and then seven fourplexes, there's 28 units on at the bottom of the hill. Uh, there's detached garages for the fourplexes, which include two spaces per unit, and then an additional 23 uh, parking spaces for visitors and uh, there are sidewalks and trails throughout the project site along the northwestern, western, and southwestern perimeter. There's a 5.45 acre common area, which includes 2.47 acres of useful open space, a playground, and a dock park. And this is the, the layout that uh, has been provided. And so I would like to make a, a few comments in relation to this application. So the application was submitted prior to the adoption of the 2022 master plan. So the policies that were analyzed were from the 2003 master plan. And the 2003 plan identifies Stagecoach as a potential growth center. The recently adopted 2022 plan has three different classifications for growth areas. Stagecoach is identified as a tier two target growth area because it is located outside of the municipality, but is an area qualified for potential development. It's considered a tier two growth area because it has a sub-area plan, platted lots, high density zoning, and a special district which provides water and sewer services. On page five of the of the stagecoach community plan in the introduction, it states that this plan is advisory, but its recommendations are intended to serve as a guide for decision makers in evaluating the merits of development proposals. Non-compliance with one aspect of the plan could be a reason for denial. However, non-compliance with one aspect of the plan does not require denial of an application. As stated in the plan, it is advisory is to serve as a guide. Strict compliance with all aspects of the plan is not necessary in order for an application to be in compliance with the overall plan. Staff has identified multiple policies that we believe the proposal is in compliance with, uh, which in the opinion of staff 
shows that the proposal is in compliance with the stagecoach plan. Um, staff does not anticipate a significant demand on the water or wastewater system, and Mount uh, Morrison Creek has stated there's plenty of capacity to handle the increased density. So public comments that we received, we received six letters of opposition. All of them were submitted after the staff packet went out and only one was provided 72 hours prior to this hearing. And so that letter was provided to y'all on Tuesday morning. Um, the others that were received, uh, most of them this afternoon, um, were at your desk tonight. And all of those letters will be included in the packet that goes to the Board of County Commissioners. So if you don't, if you're not able to consider and address those comments tonight, they will be in the packet for the board to consider at their hearing. So the comments that were submitted include visual impacts, um, and that the area where the fourplexes will be built will affect existing views from the Red Hawk Village. Uh, Non-compliance with the stagecoach community plan. These comments were very general and did not cite any specific policies of the stagecoach plan to, to be analyzed. However, one did reference section 5.5.2b, which states new development should attempt to minimize the detraction from the rural character and scenic vistas in stagecoach. Uh, other comments include the, the density, uh, traffic, and if this is approved, a detailed traffic impact analysis will be required at the next stage of review to ensure that the roads can handle the additional density. And then uh, affordability. Uh, but staff's review was limited to land use impacts. Our regulations do not mention affordable housing and we have no standards for it. So staff's job is to review an application based on the regulations that are in place at the time of application. However, with the recent adoption of the master plan, uh, we may address the affordable housing topic and regulation updates used to implement the master plan. Um, and so again, these, these are your options. Staff is recommending approval with the conditions of approval that are suggested. And then issues for discussion include, is the proposed density appropriate for this site? And then are there visual impacts <coughs> that cannot be mitigated? That's all I have for now. And I am available for questions. Commissioners. No questions. Andy. On page eight of thirty-eight, I believe, in the staff packet, eight of thirty-eight. Second paragraph from the top. It says, keeping in mind the site has already been approved for the construction of 14 dwelling units through approval of PL21-108 on lots 9A, 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 and 9B. Did that I thought it ended at sketch and it has not gone through full subdivision approvals. 
Um, you are you're right about that. Uh, it, that's all it has gone through. They have not gone through preliminary, but they are. Um, they could, if this were to be denied, they could pick that application up and submit a preliminary subdivision application for that approval. And it would, would that previous approval then go away since it's being kind of wrapped up into this approval process? Yes. So it would just have that sketch and that'd be the end of it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, with that said, I thought that the approval for the zone change was specific to that application. And so once this one need to be proposed for that same zone change uh, for that parcel and why it? no because that zone change for, was for lots 99a and 9b and that was but wasn't it contingent of that approval for that application no okay i mean there was there's a condition that the, the final plaque has to be recorded with the zone change resolution mm -hmm. so that we're not left with continuation of the stagecoach mess ups with the rezone with the zoning without the flagging. And that's why that's why we handle it that way is to prevent more issues that that stagecoach is in. Those large parcels that are zoned that don't have flats associated with them. Right. What are the setbacks to duplexes, <coughs> duplexes and fourplexes in HDR? So that's that's an interesting question. Our regulations are not really set up for um, for condos and duplexes and townhomes and things like this. So the way we would look at it is the property lines are the project property lines, and then the individual buildings would have to be set up set back from the project property lines. Does that make sense? Would you still have a setback from a road? Uh, there are no setbacks from roads in the in the residential zone districts besides MRE. Uh, in, no, I take that back. The only setback from a roadway is in the AF zone district. None of the other ones have setbacks from roads. They're strictly setbacks from property lines. Gotcha. So you can build to the property line. Uh, no. Here, let me let me pull this up. So in this situation, so we would so obviously these the single family lots up here would have their individual uh, setbacks. Um, for the duplex lots, there are lot 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 lines. So we whatever structure is placed on the duplex lot, we would measure the setbacks to the lot line on either side. In the situation with these fourplexes, we would look at the lot line as being the project boundary. And the existing zoning there is high density residential. So that's 15 foot setbacks on the front and rear, 10 foot on the sides. And so like take this one, for example, the edge, the face of the structure would have to be set back 15 feet from the edge of the property line. And that's how we would uh, measure and force setbacks. And no setback to the road. It's not considering and there, there's a front yard setback. There, there's a okay, so what's the front yard setback? 15. 
I can't, we can't, hold on a minute. Uh, so he asked, he asked if the, if these would be considered side setbacks and I, I don't think so because the, because this is the rear, rear of the building. And so that would, that would go with the rear setback of 15 feet. Good. I have a tendency to oversimplify things. With the property line and the edge of right away, you want in the same. Uh, Centrally, I think, right? Yeah. So then, if you have to have a setback <clears throat> from the edge of pavement, not from the edge of pavement. Well, if you want to have one from the edge of pavement, then it would be 15 feet plus or plus three. It's 24 foot pavements and a 30 foot right away. Yeah, but he was asking, Brian, uh, uh, you were asking about setbacks for the center line of the road. Or the or the property line. Yeah, but I'm looking at the site map and I got a 30 foot right away, 24 foot road and a 30 foot right away, which I'll be blatant. I, I don't think that's going to work. It's just not wide enough. And then the uh, buildings, if, and I can't see the right-of-way line very clearly on, on the map, but where is there 15 feet to the image of the buildings? That's what I'm getting at. So I think that is a good comment for this conceptual review. And if that is something that you would like them to address at the preliminary review, that is certainly something that you can request them. Yeah, I get, I'll go one step further. The number of buildings we have on there is dependent on how far they can be from the property lines because it's so spatially, it's fairly dense. So the setbacks, even at this level, and I understand it's sketch, but even at this level, are we permitting more than we should? And then we come back at conceptual and it's not working when you get down to the brass tacks but isn't that the purpose of the preliminary then? I mean, as I'm viewing this, unless I'm misunderstanding, the, the rectangles that are hashed on the inside, mm -hmm. that's not a building. It's an envelope, correct? Yeah, yeah we, we don't know what it is. Well, that's why I asked the question yeah. about how many square feet, but yeah, it's a building envelope. It's not a building. Because I mean, otherwise I think it's, it is accurate to this extent. Building envelope appears to be three feet off the edge of the pavement. So I guess what I would suggest is review it based on density, make the comments about layout and room for setbacks and snow storage and things of that nature, and then let the let the designers go and take that into consideration, try to fit everything on here. And if they have to remove a building, then they have to remove a building. But you've already reviewed it for. The maximum amount of density, any removal of density will in turn create less impacts. Right. Sure. sure. While we're on that same paragraph, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I lose you. you know. um, my question. Maybe the list uh, in the same paragraph that we were on that Andy brought up. Um, 
comment is made, a landscaping can be an effective screening tool. I agree. Staff would like PC to provide input on what type and quantity of landscaping should be required. Um, I, I agree with the concept and I agree with the landscaping that should be incorporated in the plan, but I'm not sure that we know what we're doing in that regard. Well, the, the challenge is that there's no standard. <laughs> like we don't have a, a matrix that we can reference exactly. for X squared, yeah. but like we do when we do city development. Right. So it's a little bit, I think Red Hawk is actually a good analogy where having worked on that development and doing the landscape plan for it, it was the builder's intent to do all those plantings. Like they they proposed that as, as what they were doing. So mm -hmm. it's one, it's something that could be developed as as the project kind of continues to develop in and of itself. But for us, we just don't have a standard that we can reference. That was my point. Yeah. So my point is going to go on. I think that if we move forward on this, there's a condition about landscaping which ought to be expanded to refer to include words or concepts that every effort be made in the landscaping plan to mitigate the impact on views and what have you. So you, you kept my drift. Yes. Good. Okay. And then do you get a question? Yeah. I know you did. Just for simplification, the, the four plexes are in lot eight. Correct. And why currently is high density? Correct. Um, so it looks like the biggest high density place in stage, which I would think is Wagonville. Is that correct? Or is there any other ones that kind of are of a multiplex? Um, there's, I Okay, and then kind of looking at wagon wheel and their acreage compared to this one. So from my calculation is that the multiplex area, not the duplexes and the single family, but that's about three acres of land that we're discussing about. <coughs> Sorry. Yes, I'm, I, I, and I know that they're two different projects, but like to me, my question is kind of going of how many units are kind of in wagon wheel, which I kind of feel is the same, similar in nature of a multiplex unit. It looked like there was only five structures over there, uh, comparatively to this one to seven, and it seems like it has two acres more land than this one. And so I was just kind of trying to do a side-by-side -side comparison, even though these are two separate projects, two completely different things that we're trying to decide, but it kind of being so close to each other, um, if there's any additional information, at least the amount of units in Wagon Wheel, uh, I don't know if that could be produced easily. So that, uh, lot eight where the multiplexes are is um, three and a half acres. Uh, I did my research, so I, I was pretty certain. Of it. <laughs> I just couldn't figure out how many units Wagon Wheel really had. How many total units in Red Hawk? Uh, 
29.29. Single family. Is there any picture that shows, again, we're zoomed in on the one parcel, but do you have anything that you can zoom out that shows the number of HDR lots that go from the road down to the lake? When you say the road, what do you mean by that? From 16? 16. 16. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, one second. We're, we're focusing in on some of the details when we're at a 30,000 foot review. Yep. Like, yep. So the patterns of development, I think, become a little bit more clear when you kind of zoom out a little bit. I wish we had something that superimposed the high density residential as it, as it goes down, you know, down to the lake. I would, I would argue that Red Hawk's density and that was one of the things that I think was a seller of that project. That was a PUD. That was a PUD. Yeah, that that's what we, that project was going for was a, a little bit higher kind of density on that small smaller pots parcel. That pattern I think is a little bit more representational than maybe wagon wheel. So the the brown is high density residential. The purple is the general residential. This green teal color is land unit development. This red is mountain residential estate, and the blue is low density residential. So the brown is all HDR. Brown is all HDR. And Eagles Nest has what five plexes are those? Like six, one, two, three, sure. Four, five. Well, the, the, I, that's wagon wheel. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah. But but how many that that's uh how many in each unit? I think four to five. Four to two, three, yeah. Four, five, <clears> six, <throat> six. I used to plow there. So six three was six and two was seven. Can help except one. Six point eight acres, approximately. Okay. That's Eagles. That's Eagles. Seven acres. 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 Any comparison to Wagon Wheel, which is three acres, which is one Okay, thank you. Awesome. Other questions for staff or the petitioner, actually? Hearing none at this point in time, I'm going to open up for public comment. Please use the, sure, use the lectern if you would, please. I would like to ask what the high. Sir, could you use the lectern, please? 
I would like to ask what the height of the four foot Sir, could you also introduce yourself? Yes. I'm just anxious to find out that. <laughs> Considering it's in my backyard. My name is James Zimmerman. I live at 23740 Sage Brush Circle, Oak Creek, Colorado, 80467. What is the height of the four foot? You don't have that information this time. So you can't tell us whether they're two story, three story, or what? No. Well, that's a huge problem. The reason it's a huge problem because you just talked about visual impacts that cannot be mitigated. Those fourplexes are right along the edge of the 14 homes that sit on the backside of Sagebrush. You put those fourplexes, two story or whatever, and we will be blocked completely on a view from the lake. My wife and I bought our property in 2014. We bought it because of the amenities that were available to us there. And interestingly, the stagecoach community plan says as far as it was from the start as it is today, the number one reason that people choose to move to stagecoach is the natural, physical beauty, privacy, peace, and serenity, open land, scenic qualities, and the protection of wildlife and habitat continue to be cited as important values. We will literally be blocked in a view from the lake, a view that we have had enjoyed and the people at Red Hawk who lived there before us have enjoyed since 2007. You cannot Put a two-story building there that isn't going to have a visual impact. And there's no way to mitigate it if you allow those buildings to go there. All of the people of the 14 who live on the backside of Red Hawk, we have back patios, we have fire pits that we enjoy sitting out at night and looking across that field out of the reservoir, seeing the lights on the shore where the fires and things are burning. You put that in there, that's gone. Absolutely gone. We also, everybody on the backside, have an upstairs patio that's off of our second floor. We personally have gone to great extent to improve that and make it even more amenable. So that we sit out there at night, have a drink of wine, and sit and watch the fires on the other side of the reservoir and look out at the area. You put those there, and that's gone, even if we're on our second floor. We sit and we see coyotes, we see foxes, we see deer, we see marmots running around in that area. The deer come over to our place and munch on the bushes in back. We can get on our front porch, put on our cross-country skis, ski down our land. We have paths through that pasture that we ski all the way down to the reservoir. You can get on the bike path, or you can go out on the reservoir and ski forever. We can snowshoe from there. We can hike during the summer. People even from Eagle's Nest come down there and hike back there 
and take their dogs back there. You put that there, and that is going to be a monumental eyesore for stagecoach. There's nothing like it. You can't compare it to wagon wheel. There is nothing visually that wagon wheel is impairing. It's down in a little bit of a valley. You got to go down to get to wagon wheel. We sit right where we can see, as far as we can see. The only thing that blocks our sight lines are blacktail and the mountain ranges around us. Those are the only thing that block our sight lines. So you're talking about let's go put a let's go put seven four fourplexes there that will absolutely destroy our property values. Putting that there is criminal. It is first degree murder of our property values. Who's going to want to buy my house so that they can sit and look at the backside? of a two-story fourplex. That's gonna be like dumping an ugly Motel 6 in our backyard. That is absolutely nonsense. That completely destroys the meaning and character of what Stagecoach was developed for. People wanting to live in the country, have beautiful visuals, not looking at the backside of a two-story motel, an ugly motel, that we can do nothing about. It's going to butt right up to our back doors. Because when you look at that other plant, all you see is that little trail. That's not a road, that's a trail. And that butts right up to that trail, and on the other side of that trail is our backyard. The backyards for 14 people who bought with the idea that they were always going to be able to enjoy what Stagecoach was developed for and what the community plan says it was there for. This is going to be a monumental eyesore for Stagecoach. There's nothing out there like it. Nothing. And we would ask you to please uphold the values of stagecoach and the amenities that it has and don't let somebody put this thing in and those right behind our homes and completely destroy our property values because who's going to want to buy my house looking at the backside of this ugly motel thank you sir next please bob I'm Bob Lindsay, live at 31-280 Broken Town Trail in Eagles Wash. So we don't have a dog in this particular fight, but we live out there. We've lived out there for uh, 17 years. Uh, I won't expand on what was just said because, uh, except I'll add a couple of points to it. Um, it's obvious that the visual impact, and I'm, I'm thinking about not looking into the backyard of, of the fourplexes. I'm thinking about the view from County Road 16 into that area and looking at the uh, number of 
buildings and the visual break between Red Hawk, which is clear there, and the proposed development. We're not talking about seven, just seven fourplexes. We're talking about seven fourplexes with seven other buildings associated with them. So it's a total of 14 structures. And as you come from the west to going east on 16, you look up there, and that's going to be a tremendous visual break between the, the neighborhood and what the new development proposes. So, um, you know, I, I made a comment in my notes here that, that admittedly, this is a subjective issue. One person's profit may be another person's ugly. And so it's a matter of there's no set rule of what's ugly or what's profitable or what's nice. Um, but there is the visual impact. Now, the other thing to be brought into this discussion is what constitutes ridgeline development. If you get out on that land, that ridge that goes up behind the proposed development looks like a ridge to me. Now, and it's going to be very visible to have houses sitting on that ridge. So the, the factor to throw into the mix. Um, the issue of the dog park, as I see that little tiny dog park, who's going to take their dog what is called the dog park. It's just not even a postage stamp size on the images that are there. Um, I'll go ahead and, oh, the other issue is a broader issue of traffic on County Road 16 for sure, but then the county's been battling this issue of County Road 14. And what is the impact <coughs> of, a, of a subdivision like is proposed on County Road 14. Um, county needs to deal with that issue. There are, you know, we all know the hazards of County Road 14, especially in the winter and in the summer with the bicycles. Um, one other <coughs> issue has to do with wildlife, and uh, CPW mentioned it in their, their letter. That area down north of there toward the reservoir is habitat for Colombian shark-tailed grouse. You can't mitigate the loss of habitat. And this will be not only the impact on a piece of that habitat, but if you throw in some number of dogs who may or may not be confined, some number of house cats who house a house cat, you know how it is to confine that. Um, there's a problem there. And so this is habitat fragmentation from one end, it's reducing the habitat for the sharp bill grouse. Those are the points. Thank you, Bob. Next, please. Uh, good evening, Commission. My name is Chris Felton, F-E-L-T-O-N. I'm a, with my wife, a property owner in Red Hawk here, lot number 22, 23690, 
on the Sagebrush Trail. We've been there since November 2010. My points are, of course, uh, the visual impact, which uh, Alan uh, brought up as an important point for conversation. In my opinion, all of Red Hawk has been developed to preserve sight lines toward the reservoir. All these homes are situated in a way to give them view, and certainly our neighborhood has view. Our neighborhood's view will be destroyed by development of lots 9A, B, C, and 8. <clears throat> this is only a 15-foot setback. We'll have garages of fourplexes here on lot 8. We'll be looking at tailpipes and garage doors instead of the view to the reservoir. The whole community is designed to maintain the visual beauty toward Hans Peak, toward the valley, toward Yellow Jacket Pass, and toward the reservoir. This would be the only development that I'm aware of that totally wipes out somebody's view. Property owners that have been there since 06 and 07, Mr. Zimmerman, who's a neighbor of mine, uh, raises a great point, which is the diminution in value that we will experience. Our homes have appreciated that's for sure, but this will work a dollar value cut. I can't give you a number. I would guess that somebody would pay half for this house staring at the back of these fourplexes and duplexes that they would now with a beautiful view toward Yellow Jacket Pass, et cetera. I spoke at the hearing, the first time this was around last June, and one of the commission members told me that this was pure NIMBYism. Well, I don't really think it is NIMBYism because Red Hawk sits down a little bit, and this sits up a little bit. By the time you build multi-story structures here, on top of a ridge that's above this, you're gonna be blotting out even more view than you would normally anticipate if they were on level, because this is higher. It slants this way, to be fair. It does slant this way. This is ridge, 9A, B, C. You put multi-story units up there, in fact, it needs to be even more because the grade is so much higher than Red Hawk. <laughs> NIMBYism means don't put it near me, but this is not NIMBYism because it affects the value of properties that have been there for 15 years in some significant percentage that I can't guess and neither can you, but the commission should encourage development that enhances the value of existing properties or at least minimizes the effect for property holders that have been there for a long time. We've been there 12 years. Um, one last point is, uh, I thought that gentleman uh, raised an excellent point that development here on these pieces of lot nine will affect the views even through here because this is a ridge, it's high. This is the direction to the res to Hans Peak, to Yellow Jacket Pass. So it's not just us that are belly aching here. These communities 
will feel it as well. I know that, by the way, Commission, your staff members have been very kind to us. We've, we've spoken to them. Alan's been great. They've given us the time of day. And I appreciate you hearing us out here today. Uh, I don't think the Commission needs to live with this backdated plan. This is not how you would do it now. Alan actually said, you know, this is not how we do things these days. We don't have to live with this 1972 master plan that's been modified somewhat. You should be thinking about how things are now for Route County, for people that have been there for a long time, and preserving the beauty of not only uh, our community, but all of this. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Phil. Uh, next, please. I'm Sarah with Dead Sea, wife of him. <laughs> and I live at 33 Broken Town. My concern is not a generalized concern, it's a specific concern that occurred to me just as you were talking about those um, close quarters, the townhomes, which is essentially what they would be. And because of the fire last year, I'm particularly concerned about fire hazard with regards to how close these lines are, how narrow the setbacks are. I'm concerned about a fire that might occur in. We have sagebrush is highly flammable in a dry spell. And there's no plan that I can see presented today that would satisfactorily improve the safety of those houses and the people that live there. So I'd like for you to consider that in your discussion. And I have nothing more to say. Thank you. Uh, next, please. Betsy Blakesley is my name, and I live in Greyhawk Village, and I live on the um, the south side of the development, and you can find it essentially if you walk. But that's not um, that that is a nifty comment, and I own that. I I just want you to think about um, the fact that there is high density housing out there. There are some developments that are high density, but none of them impact the way that this development impacts us. And we are a really close community who have um, communicated and worked on that plan, the stagecoach plan. And we all value our views and our um, aesthetics. And I feel like this is just you know, I don't know how these are going to turn out. I don't know if they're going to be affordable. I don't know any of that. But the closeness um, of that community to ours takes away the um, ideas of any open space that we originally came together on as a community. And I, there's profit, there's community, and you have to balance both. So if there's any way that we can come together with maybe a low density or maybe you know, um, keeping them from uh, keeping that community from being right in our face. Um, you know, that would be an okay high, high density community if we could come 
to some agreement about an aesthetic um, proposal. All I have to say. Thank you. Uh, next, please. Uh, there is somebody over Zoom. I can get it up. Um, that would be Ms. Benelli. Hi, I'm Elisa Benelli, and I live at 23700. Excuse me? Can you hear me? Yes. yes. Well, okay. um, and uh, my property is on that side that borders the property you guys are looking at. Um, I appreciate everything that my neighbors said. It's everything they said about site and habitat and all of that. And what Betsy said about compromise, and I understand that we have to have compromise, that there's this is a lot that someone's going to build on. but. I sent pictures to Alan, it, I guess they came in too late of um, my neighbor standing 25 feet from my backyard. And this is close to me. This is disturbingly close to my house. There's gonna be a trail between that as well. So it's gonna be a high traffic area now with a a real trail, I guess I would say, instead of one that people have made throughout the years. And people passing by, dogs passing by, all through my private backyard. And Stagecoach doesn't allow fences, privacy fences. So I just have to look at it and I have to have everybody look right into my backyard as they're walking through there. Um, I just really wish you would look at what that property looks like and how close they are building it to us is really gross and disturbing. Um, like, like Betsy said, I understand there will have to be compromised and this definitely is not something I hope you guys approve. That's it. Uh, thank you. Do we have anyone else? And yes. Well, we, but, hold on. Wait a minute. Sorry. One more time. Sure. Yes. So I we need to know who you are, please. Barbara Fox. Barbara. Barbara. Barbara Fox. 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 Immediately affected by the most recent building um, in this far area over here, but on that ridge, it would definitely be something that I would see. I have to wrap my mind around that, but I really am I'm stressed out for all of my neighbors that are going to have to have that in their backyard because it's kind of yeah, property values and all of that. So I just wanted to say that I'm not. Liking it either. I understand that we might have to compromise, but that whole—I feel like there's a lot going on there. Like there's too much going on there. With all of these buildings and garages and roads and 
that's not a very big area for all of that digital post in there. So Thank you. I have a comment. Surely. Okay. My name is Rosa Roman and I live I think around yeah, yeah, square. What was your last name, please? Rose Zimmerman. Ah. And um, my comment is, is if I was in any of your places, I could not, in my heart, make a decision without going out there, walking through, and seeing what we see. Because this map shows no emotion whatsoever. This is just a map. He cannot really tell you the truth of what is going on in that edition. You have just basic information. And to me, that is insanity for you to make a decision based upon just, you know, a few pieces of the puzzle. This is impacting our lives. My husband and I are retired. And where are we going to go? I, can, I will move if they put that addition in. We will move. And where are we going to go with all of the situations in our country right now? My husband is a survivor of cancer. Our back patio gave him serenity the last couple of years. And we just sit there. And that whole valley is so healing to all of us out there. So I challenge each and every one of you to go out there before you make any decisions and see what we see in real life, not a map. It's ridiculous to try and make a decision on that. And until you have all the facts, I don't think it's fair that you can make a decision, whether it's two-story, three-story. It's, it's just insanity. So I just beg you, beg you to please see what we see and go out there. Thank you. Do we have anyone else in? There is somebody else. Mike. Over to. Hi, Mike Dieter, owner of Red Hawk. Um, yeah, just like to comment real quick that, yeah, I definitely agree with my neighbors on many of those aspects. Um, I was trying to ask earlier how far the hiking trail is going to be from our properties. Um, how are you going to designate that separation and keep the public and the dogs out of our properties? Uh, I agree with the other comment that that does look like a very small dog park for such a high density area. Um, we do think that this project is gonna decrease our home value and decrease our privacy and quiet enjoyment of our properties. We will lose uh, pretty much all of our property uh, a privacy with the properties looking down into ours from the hill there. Um, they're very dense and close together, which is going to yeah, completely destroy our view of the lake and the meadow there. Um, yeah, I'm upset at how close the building envelope is to our community. Yeah, it's a really large project and doesn't seem to fit in the area. And yeah, like some of the others said, the, the, the larger projects are kind of a little more hidden. Um, I'm worried about the air quality and the dust during the project, the toxic smell of the blacktop, because it's going to be right out my back door there. Um, yeah, I'm worried about the, all the traffic of this community being right out my back door and the traffic lights and the noise and the smells. Um, yeah, I think you guys should really reconsider. I don't think it fits um, the area or 
the plan. You know, it certainly wasn't what we um, were planning when we moved in. We thought, yeah, it'd be a little more open space and views maintained is what we've always been told. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Dieter. I believe that's all over. So that's your hand raised. Um, Spinelli, your hand is still raised. I think that's it. Okay. Anyone else? I could go on and on, but I won't. Uh, uh, thank you, but no, thank you. Uh, well, with that, we'll close the public comment portion of this proceedings and open it up for discussion amongst the and questions. So Steve, I do have some. I'm sorry. Oh, please. So as any, everybody knows, anything new will affect the existing residents. We recognize this and we are sympathetic to this as well. However, our review was limited to the regulations that are written. Those are limited to land, land use impact reviews. Effects on property values are speculative. We are in a growing economy. I know that there is speculation that we are going to be entering a recession soon, but again, that is just speculation. Property values are not mentioned in the regulations and should not be considered tonight because of that. Um, as well as these folks in the room, the developer has private property rights as well. And he has the ability to apply to the county for a development like this, go through the process and have a decision made by the planning commission and the board of county commissioners. Again, this is sketch. So we're not gonna have all of the details, nor is this process set up to have all the details at this early stage of, of review. All of those details will come at the next stage of review. The county's goal in this land, in land use reviews is to pro provide consistency. Stagecoach has been a potential growth center since it was first approved in 1972. It was first officially identified in the 2003 master plan as a possible growth center and possibly earlier. Recently, the planning department did extensive outreach for the updated master plan, including a meetings devoted specifically to the stagecoach area. No comments were received to contradict the potential growth center that uh, potential growth center designation. And now with the new master plan, it's considered a tier two target growth area and has all of the um, required elements of that designation. Uh, the stagecoach area plan encompasses 11,000 acres. We're talking about nine acres here. And staff would argue that this one development would not detract from the overall important aspects that are identified in the plan. Yes, this development will be seen from County Road 16, as well as Red Hawk, as well as um, Eagles Watch, as well as all of the other developments that are on either side of County Road 16. The county does have skyline mapping. This site is not um, designated as a skyline area because Blacktail Mountain backdrops it. And so therefore we did not analyze it because it did not meet the, the applicability criteria for a skyline area in the regulations. Um, and that's, that's all I have for now. Thank you. Uh, 
We're done with tunnel one. Sorry. Okay. Can I ask where to find the skyline regs? That's sure. all I wanted to say. On the county website, I know. Yeah. And I can, I can get you those after the hearing. Thank you, Bob. <clears throat> question for staff. Um, Alan, as I understand it from the staff report, um, these sites 9A, 9B, 9, and lot 8 uh, are already approved for construction. Uh, no, they are not. They've just so lots nine, nine A, nine B. They've received. Uh, it says here it's been approved for construction of fourteen units. So it's that that's a mistake. It's it has received sketch subdivision approval. So okay. it would still have to go through preliminary subdivision and final subdivision approval before they would be able to develop. Okay, and then lot eight is that currently zoned for fifty one units? So it's zoned high density residential. The minimum lot size or the the minimum lot size per dwelling unit in the high density residential zone district is three thousand square feet. So if you do the three point five acres divided by three thousand square feet, that's where that those fifty one potential units would come from. And how long has that zone been in place? Nineteen seventy two. Thank you. Other questions. So, um, it seems like Alan is a lot of unknowns that a potential growth area that we're looking at now would be a tier two situation. And every time we come to stagecoach, we've always brought up uh, the, uh, I think the major problem for traffic is not more traffic from all the density, but the bottleneck bridge. We've always looked at how are we going to get away with that. If there is an emergency out there, the snow removal, the ice on the bridge, the fire trucks move to the fire station there. So uh, we solved a lot of the problems with uh, response times for the ambulance, the fire truck, and uh, uh, problems of that sort. But uh, it has always come up, you know, minus as to. What do we do to state versus problems? And the way I look at it is Pittsburgh has got the same problem. Builders got the same problem. Dallas has got the same problem. Clark's got the same problem. And Oak Creek and Yampa and Stagecoach all basically the same group. And the way to look at it, we've got a lot of leaders coming here. Stagecoach has been asked several times to step up to play incorporate. Look what you've got out there. I think the possibility of services is has been brought up with Red Rock and everything places that come in. Uh, it would enhance all of everybody's property if it's one property. Uh, it comes to our responsibility, and we have a master plan. We all looked at it and with us. For a long time, two and a half years now, staff has really put a lot of work into it. And I think the stagecoach plan could upgrade along with the master plan and look at what the future area is going to have by uh, services. Uh, come a long way. It's the fire department, ambulance, they've submitted their uh, out there. 
that's that's all I have. Thank you. Um, a couple of questions are kind of uh, yeah questions, um, and I think that staff has pretty much boiled them down to the two issues that really are out there. And we'll do a little bit of a round table, but I'll lead it off. Um, the first question would be, is the proposed density appropriate for the site? We already know that significant parcel has been zoned high density residential. So it isn't so much the density, well, it is the density at what point in time have we gotten too much into the, um, I don't have a real good answer for that. My sense is that perhaps there may be some room to adjust the density. And I think on a going forward basis, I'd maybe ask the developer to consider that. Um, and that maybe would be you know, the basis for, what would I say, the basis for ongoing discussions in the next phase should we decide to go forward. That's the first comment that I have. The second comment that I have, there is no question in my mind that there are visual impacts. Um, I feel for those that live in Red Hawk and they've got a nice view, but the reality of life is that property has been rezoned and has been in place for high density, high density residential and other residential for a long time. I don't know how you fix that. I mean, I think we can, you can mitigate the impacts of the structures, but you're not going to be able to fix the view as well, I see it. I would argue that the stagecoach master plan, which has in place to keep zoning as it is, actually fights that because you could, if the HDR was down zoned to less density, it would work to help us mitigate those impacts. I think that's but, where I'm going. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it actually yeah. encourages yeah, I, no rezoning. And that goes back to the original discussion about if there was some piece of the meeting that occurred where someone specifically was able to say that that parcel was down zoned for some specific reason and it was applicable in some way, but it wasn't. The developer just thought that was the way they wanted to use it. And so when we talk about density, I think there was a, an interesting comment from the crowd about when I look at Red Hawk and I look at this property immediately to the north of it, there's 29 structures on Red Hawk and 14 structures on this proposal. That's actually less density, although there's more users. So the, the impact, I think the density is less, the impact from homeowners might be higher in that aspect. Um, there were several comments about we, we aren't doing anything. And that's important for you guys to keep in right. mind. We're an advisory board. We sympathize with your property value concerns and we can be empathetic towards that. But just as Alan said, it just as the developer's business plan, we don't comment on that either, whether it makes sense or not. That is for them to decide. So we can sympathize with that, but it does not play into our uh, decision-making process. I think, again, as before, from a sketch standpoint, this should proceed. I think what Brian was talking about, about some of maybe the right-of-ways and the snow removal, that may impact the developer's plan in the next phase. And there may be a, a pruning of the density or the number of units just based on some of those comments that you were making. And 
Brian, an expert in the field. And because you're the landscaping business, pruning is a really nice I only think it's beneficial when a developer to show plantings that they intend, just as Red Hawk did as part of their mitigation. They intentionally developed the playground. And uh, you know, we actually even talked about how the space around it is the open space. I look at Red Hawk's density. And this proposal, and I find them analogous to each other. Um, and that's the pattern that can continue as infill goes on towards the lake. So I like I think there's that comment. This is nine acres out of the total acreage out there. And so I, I would support again it moving through conceptual, but I think the details are really gonna have to come out. And don't get me wrong, the drawings that Four Points has produced are highly detailed for this level of resexual review. But we do have questions that will be coming up as it if it was to move through the process. Well, Linda, comments? Um, I think Andy summarized for me a lot of the things I sit here and think. I mean, I sympathize with all of these concerns particularly for the folks along Red Hawk who will be most affected by the fourplex. And uh, as, as Alan also said, the reality is that land is developed as high density and it's been that way since 1972. So it isn't as if people are not on notice that something right. can happen. And that's potentially a fault of the stagecoach master plan. I don't know. Should they have had the foresight to encourage and move towards uh, a different level of density for that area? I mean, that was you know long before I sat here and long before a lot of people probably looked at these issues. But um, I think given what we need to look at today, we we are at this, as we say, 30,000 foot level looking down at a piece of private property that is being proposed within a density zone that is allowed. And so I think at this stage, we have to say, okay, go ahead and take it the next step. But I think the developer needs to hear a lot of the concerns that have been expressed both, I think, critically from the neighbors. I think a good developer will listen and try and work with you. Um, but the whole concept that you're not allowed to have fences. So what are all those people walking on the trail going to do? Walk through the yard too? I mean, all of those are things that I totally understand. I think those are going to be the kind of things that if this goes to the next step, we will become much sharper pencil in terms of saying to the developer, there's got to be a better way. Um, to the extent that we, you know, the regulations and zoning will allow us to do that, we certainly hear what the problems are, um, and I think hopefully that you know this message is reaching the developer as well. And I think we said this the last time, uh, but it was just the, the three lot nines um, hear us. We're not thrilled with some of what you're talking about, but let us see what how you intend to fix it. And I think it's even more uh, clear this time. Uh, yeah. Uh, I want to echo what Linda said. Uh, 
when it comes to the decisions, Conor was made about our decisions and, and, and facts. Our decisions are based on, on and the decisions to recommend. We don't have any authority to so approve this approved. But they're based on zoning and codes and regulations. And the facts that we have to consider that, that the positions take it in question are either in compliance or they're not. It's not an issue of whether we like it or don't like it or food landscaping or food landscaping. It's a question of whether it complies with code. So that's what drives our decisions. And uh, unfortunately, the zoning's been in place there for 50 years. And, uh, and, and therefore, it is in compliance with the kinds of things that we're looking to, to, to address and deal with. And, uh, it establishes a fundamental right for the owner of that property, especially the state that has rights in their property. I strongly agree with this issue of giving some guidance to the developer. I'm very disappointed that the developer is not here. But it should be here, in my opinion, to face the public and listen to what people have to say. But be that as may or not, presumably they'll be here in the future. And I would strongly encourage that developer to take into account to mitigate as much as possible some of these concerns, understanding that they're not going to be fully mitigated. There are going to be buildings there, and there are intended to be buildings there, and, and there's nothing to prevent that from happening. So I just have to hope that the developer will show some sympathy and understanding and try to mitigate that in whatever fashion. Increase landscaping, uh, the community deals with fencing on trails. By amending their own codes and laws and land. That's the way it needs to proceed. But at this juncture, the facts we're faced with suggest that we have really little choice but to approve this aspect. Paul, comments? Uh, I think that this is a very clean plan. I think the developer did a very good job in designing um, best use of this property. I think that. Um, it's a silly for us to consider what um, landscaping would be the best to mitigate this property from visual impacts. What I would like to see is um, the landscape designer hit plan and show us because, you know, deciduous trees in this spot might really suck, you know. So I don't really want to get into that conversation, but I really appreciate Brian's comment beginning of the day, when he was talking about the building envelope setback from the trail. And in the next plan, we'll see how close that really is. And including landscape along that space is going to help mitigate that rear, the, the back area right there. Like a nice row of trees is always beautiful. You know, like a set of red maples going up the drive, that's always beautiful. I mean, there's simple things that they can do that we don't need to advise on. However, um, no, not however, but and there's also things that could be done with the open space that makes this a higher quality um, area. And I bet with more amenities than many of the other areas that are nearby. Brian, uh, my main comments are, are still spatial. I, I just look at this and realize how tight it is. And I fully understand the property values and, and all that stuff is irrelevant to what we're doing here, unfortunately, for, for what they, the audience may feel. One, one, a couple thoughts I had, uh, you know, looking at it, I mentioned spatial setbacks, but I'm also looking, where do you put the snow? You know, at that. And I'm trying to get feedback to the developer here, too. And then the thought 
of the garages are probably single story buildings, I would suspect. It may make sense, and I'm not going to get into site planning, but to swap the garages with the buildings so the lower buildings were near the adjacent property line. Just a thought, you know, and I think the site plan is still early on, but I'd look, if I was in that backyard, I'd much rather be looking at a one story building than a two or three or four story building. You know, the visual impact is obviously much less for a, a lesser building. Yeah. Those are my thoughts. To me, this uh, approval is kind of based on, for me, community character and just the overall stagecoach area and looking at all the other uh, multiplexes around. Um, you know, you look at Eagle's Nest, you look at Wagon Wheel, and they have, you know, per acre per housing a little bit less than what this one does uh, when you're just looking at the multiplex area. You know, you look at the whole subdivision as a total, that's a different kind of story. And to me, the hardest weighing of all of this is what this is zoned for is high density and that it can fit 51 units per se per our standards. And so the weighing of the community character of what was already built here comparatively to that um, of the high density, you know, when I look at it and see wagon wheel 29 and this is 28, that's the harder decision for me. And then the acreage, you know, yes, it has closer in density than the other ones, but I've been weighing back and forth with it. And to me, you know, with that 51 units for the high density, that's kind of that decision maker where it's less than half of what it could actually be. Um, and, and that's kind of where my focus is. Um, I do agree with Brian with kind of swapping out. Uh, we're not site planners or anything in that regards, but I think it would, you know, as much as it's gonna uh, affect uh, Red Hawk's property value of having something blocked there, it's gonna also affect this developer as well. So they should have more of an incentive to not have houses that are looking into other houses as well. And I think that that would be an easier mitigation um, and then trying to fit that around might actually solve a lot of these issues that people have been uh, thinking and looking at and uh, to me, then it would also open up a little bit of that space for the trail to, to be able to then, you know, not feel like you're right against uh, the property line. Um, so those are most of my comments. So maybe what I'd like to do, uh, I guess a nod would work just fine. I just, my sense is, in building a consensus that the majority, if not all, of the commissioners are pretty much in favor of going forward at least to the next stage, the preliminaries of the community. A couple of thoughts. I think the developer, the developer's representative, having been here, can sense pretty loud and clear that there's a concern about the overall density and that perhaps he needs to go back to his client, considering all the comments that we made so far. I don't want to say go back to the drawing boards, but go back to the drawing boards and take a peek at what he's got going there. And the next phase, number one, number two, comments were made about the traffic. 
I'd like to see maybe the condition number. Stand by for just a minute, please. There you go. I think it's condition number six H. Some additional words, Alan, perhaps that say a traffic study performed by a registered Colorado engineer based on based upon the number of approved units and with a particular focus on Route 16 and 14. Would that make sense? Okay. So I've got another one on screen. Oh, you can wordsmith. Well, I know you can. There you go. Yeah, it's fine. Perfect. I'd also maybe have you take a peek at. I'm sorry. Oh. Uh, I was then maybe have you expand six C. Which just says landscaping plan. Again, considering the comments that we've received this evening, um, landscaping plan including significant efforts to soften slash mitigate the impacts of the views on surrounding properties. That work for people? Yes. I have a question. Kind of some of the density discussions. I thought Greg made kind of a point about how the density they're proposing is actually less than the density that they are allowed. That's not a compromise already. How much, if you were to set a standard, how much further would they have to compromise? I was going to try and stay away from that. <laughs> <laughs> you brought it up. I know I brought it up. So, <laughs> you know, and then there was a little bit of comment about the site design. The way I understand it right now, the single family residences, which would typically be say two stories in height and under, are proposed on the top. And the, the multi-story stuff is tucked down into the hillside. Again, Red Hawk bears the most impact from right. that, yeah. but building it into the hillside actually makes the height less right. of an impact to the surrounding neighborhoods that go out again. Red Hawk bears the most impact from this particular zone. No question. Everybody else looks right over the top of it. Yeah. My brother lives up at Shushmark Tower Homes. I could argue that his view is ruined by everyone's home next time. <laughs> that would just be yeah. ridiculous. Right. So, you know, I think that in the next phase, when maybe some of the architecture, we get more massing of structures, because again, they don't, you can't make a developer go through the cost of fully designing something at the early stage. Right? So they could give us a concept of their roof lines. A concept of roof lines and massing. It might help everyone get a better understanding of actually what is going on out there. Because I believe the higher stuff is kind of set down. It's at the bottom. And the, the residentials are up on that top, top, which they had a right to do. Right. Anyway. Well, how about this? Uh, this is kind of where I was coming from. I still think based on the comments that we're hearing, there might be some room to wiggle from the developer standpoint, number one. Number two, I think Brian's comments about right-of-ways and road widths 
and the other one, which snow storage, is also yeah. going to drive some of the thinking in this Absolutely. redevelopment design process. Yeah. And so with that being said, I don't know that we have to change any conditions. I think that's going to fall out of the hat all by itself. Yep. Does that make sense? Yes. yes. Good. Really good. That's really good. <laughs> You're a pro. Thank you. Yeah. You've done this before. I have once or twice, but <laughs> however, one last comment. Alan, I'm not sure. I made myself a note on this one. And I couldn't quite figure out what was driving the question. On page 10 of your comment, of the comments, staff comments. And actually, it's the, the, the last set of staff comments in the middle. Staff would like feedback on whether it should be required that trash containers be stored inside the structure. Help I me think, with that. Huh? <laughs> I think that will. I, that too will fall out of the hat. Yeah, I think. we don't need comments on okay, that. Fine. That will be a wildlife mitigation plan. I think so. By CPW is required, and that will certainly be addressed. I, I guess what caught my eye, I don't I recall seeing that before, but then it might be just a memory thing with me. Don't do a lot of high density. Oh, that's, uh, thank you. Good come. I like that. Nice. <laughs> uh, other questions for the developer or staff at this point? Any other comments? I generally think that some of the multi-family structures will potentially offer some more housing. I remember when Red Hawk came through and it was priced out at the $350,000 range. I thought it was absurd to call that affordable at that time. And I was getting paid to work on the development. It was <laughs> and, it's, and, it, and it went up to $500,000. And um, I, I think the multifamily stuff maybe offers a little bit of opportunity at least for some families. Uh, the South Route School District is near and dear to the park, and we need some more students in the South Valley to make that school district truly flourish on top of stopping students going from South Route to Steamboat, which is currently 63 or something crazy like that. Um, so I think there is some potential for maybe some local attainable housing mixed in with what will obviously be market housing as well. Any other comments? Well, I, I'm always throwing in Christy Maps. It says, under covenants, it says shall include. And I understand the shells are some of the things that are part of the SBIR regulations already. I would suggest that they include no short-term rentals. I'm not sure we can do as has been proposed by a few people that have been restricted, but I think we can clearly help support the idea. And I, I also know that that's going to be what it says in the master plan all the way through. Well, no, that's not wrong. But as I experience it from a different <laughs> perspective, you've got to put it in really big letters, and the biggest place a buyer could potentially see it is going to be in the covenants. And I think that helps to mitigate um, the speculation buyer, the person who says, oh, I, I will go in and buy the whole fourplex right. and turn it into short-term rentals. Yeah. That's what I am convinced the stage coach community does not want. So I think the developer needs to help them. 
Well, so, I believe Redhawk has covenants against short-term rentals. There have been some in there, but I think they've done a pretty good job of limiting them. Okay. Well, this could become potentially a municipality if they ever got their stuff together. So Don't I go mean, there. If that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. way, way too yeah. in the that's future. Uh, anything else? Might there be a motion floating about? I move the um, recommendation to approve uh, activity PL 2022 uh, We discussed subdivision, legal non land development, Inc., body, lots nine, nine eight, nine eight. forward to the uh, with findings of fact. With findings of fact and with all the conditions as written and someone that someone that I will second. Thank you, Bill. Discussion on the motion. Was the short-term rental in there? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I don't think okay. You're the, the one who made the motion. It was in the comments, right? It's in our it's comments. comments. It's, it's not in a condition, it's a comment. Okay. I, I did add it up there. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Perfect. Uh, hearing no discussion, all those in favor of the motion as presented and seconded, signify by saying yes. 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 Opposed, say no. Fair votes, yes. Motion's carried. We'll go on to look forward to seeing what comes through the preliminary process for the next time. Will there be another hearing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Two more. You need to, the next hearing will be before this was a recommendation. Board of County Commissioners is the authority. They are meeting on the 20th of September. Do I have that correct? Yeah. Give me my this second. is all going to be done by the 20th of September. Oh, no, oh, this oh, is yeah. approval of the sketch. Oh, that's, okay. only. that's at nine o'clock in the morning, right? I have no idea what time I'm it is. Checking. Because a lot of the people are here. Do you usually at one? Yeah, 9.35. And then there's preliminary. Yeah. And then there's final. Yeah. So, so there's the board of county commissioners approves this application. The next step will be preliminary. We'll go through this again with planning commission, who will make a recommendation to the board of county commissioners, who will then make a decision if that gets approved. Then we'll move on to the final subdivision review. And the final subdivision review is just preparation of the final documents, down the eyes, cross the T's. And that's tied in with the other one too from last year, also, right? Uh, the zone change would be part of that as well. Right. Yeah. Right. The zone change is was did we recommend a, approval of the zone change and did the board of county commissioners yes. approve the zone change? So the zone change is attached to the land. I don't think so. I think it's attached to the until it's been recorded. It's wow. attached to the plan and the subdivision approval. Right. Okay. Yeah. The, uh, the board had very detailed staff recommendations. I see. Um, are, are the staff recommendations available to the absolutely? Yes, yeah. they've been available on the website under the planning department for a week, a week at least. I, okay, maybe I'm having trouble with the hotline, and that's fine. I'll, yeah. I'll look further. Uh, number two, I was arguing property evaluation effect. And what and learned during the course of this meeting that that is not to be considered. We so, where Alan or anybody else can I look for the regs that tell you 
what should be considered. If you want to get in touch with me tomorrow or next week, I can walk you through everything. Will you plug me into the? I just need to do my homework. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, the information is available. It's and your comments about staff's help were greatly appreciated. I really meant it. Both Alan and Christy had conversations with me, and that they were cordial and nice, and, and I appreciate it. A, we expect that. <laughs> but B, we're familiar with their approaches, and you're not the first person that has been complimentary of them. And for that, we're thankful. Okay, well, I'm as, to as, tech, as residents. Yeah. <laughs> we can respect that. Okay. You're more than welcome to stay. We're just going to go through, but never mind. <laughs> I would like to talk to you about the fire department. No, I don't think it's in this county. Yeah, it is because the fire department's happening in the whole sketch. Well, I know that's certainly a fire department. You know, the zoning carries the zoning carries the zoning. And I'm not saying I have a lot. I think you said that very hard we spend a lot of time Um, 
Excuse me, wait a minute, start over again. I'm sorry. Alan was going to be sure to include in the board's comments um, that uh, all the, every comment that we got outside of Bob and his wife uh, lived in Red Hawk. Yep, right. So you knew that, but you knew that going in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so for the administrator's report, big That's news the board ratified the master plan on Tuesday. <laughs> 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 yeah, good job. Yeah, um, so we are excited about that and um, just want to read a quote. Um, I don't know if you saw it on social media, but we're going to be starting our outreach on the master plan. But uh, there was a social media post the other day, a tweet, and a uh, <laughs> um, on the county's Facebook page that. Um, let's see. Beth Melton, uh, the board of commissioners expressed her gratitude to Steve Hornview, the planning commission. Um, they were on the executive management team together. She said, I want to thank you for your leadership of the planning commission, helping us all get, helping us all get all this moving, this is a quote, <laughs> in the right direction, because I really think it has been a partnership with the planning commission and the board. Um, so she said, this is something we should all be proud of and where we come. Where are we from? Okay. Uh, how far? How far so so I know, I know. It doesn't say far. I, I was reading the the Steamboat Radio's recording, I believe, uh, that you are referencing. It, hmm. they, they give it to the radio also. Yeah, yeah. So that's one of the outcomes. I saw, I saw and then um, there'll be a um, another, um, we have that newsletter that goes out and all of you are already, um, you should be getting an email through constant contact. It may go into your junk mail, um, but there'll be a similar update that should be going out tonight actually. And then uh, we're gonna plan to meet up all municipalities again, and as we said, um, have a meeting to really celebrate the plan and explain it and um, get back in connection with everybody that helped build the plan. So meet with all the stakeholders, school districts, so on and so forth. So, um, and then coupled with that, so that happened on Tuesday. Tuesday also the board supported a, another DOLA grant that I just applied for to help assist with updating our rights. Uh, we're really in a lot of that's going to be you know, a, a really big project, but we have the good master plan to use for as guidance. Um, so that got submitted on Wednesday. You made the deadline then, huh? Yep, I actually submitted on Tuesday night. <laughs> and then I went back on Wednesday to make sure it said submitted. Um, and we should hear back on whether we were awarded that grant um, at the beginning of the summer. We feel we have a really good chance of getting that grant. So what the board um, approved and what I included in my budget was, uh, we think the project scope could be upwards near $200,000. Um, it's gonna be a lot of technical work and the higher cost than the master plan is because of that technical nature. And more than likely, we're probably going to be paying land use attorney type fees to evaluate, you know, some of these regulations. So that's why the higher cost 
So the double grant would be for 100,000 and the county is going to match that for the other 100,000. Um, so that was another uh, weight lifted. Um, so then once we hear um, whether we get the uh, grant or not, we're already gonna start the RFP process uh, come November. And hopefully we'll have uh, a consultant on board to start hit the ground running come January 1. We don't get a break, people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that will that will be uh, that's gonna be pretty exciting stuff. With ratification, that plan hits the ground running, correct? It yeah, is, so procedurally, um, yep. So um, as Alan mentioned, um, we this application in particular you heard tonight, um, we processed under the old master plan because it was already in the pipe. Uh, along with everything that you'll hear on 15th unit. Um, we have uh, three items on the 15th, that's our next meeting. Um, and those also have been processed the same way. Anything that comes in the door from this point forward will be processed along with the master plan, um, but with our existing regs. We don't really foresee any conflicts with that because we didn't change anything uh, that we don't feel that will align. Uh, more so what we feel will change with the regulations is more of the details and having uh, more standards to support reviewing applications such as the one you heard tonight, um, as well as um, we mentioned we are going to be um, really having to look to have a more robust renewable energy chapter, um, solar in particular. Um, so that's something that we do want to include. Um, but we don't really foresee any uh, conflicts. But the need, as you know, to update our regulations is, you know, we want to be able to implement this master plan with updated regs. And uh, and it does need, I don't want to say it needs an overhaul, but it definitely needs to bring you've been evaluated and best management practices and so forth. Yes. So um so there's that. Um so as I said on 15th we have three applications. We have a special use permit renewal for Thunderstruck. You heard them a year ago. Um, and they're coming back in to change their permit boundary. Um, and so that is scheduled and Alan you have a gravel pit. Uh, yes, the renewal of the Peabody Red Rock Gravel Pit. Where's that? County Road 53, South Eden. Is that up the one on the right? Does it go up the pass? No, it's mm -hmm. south. No, I mean, you go south on 53. Yeah. And you, it's the gravel pit. It's, it's like on the right hand side of the road. Uh huh. Yeah, just right next to the road. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then the the executive director of the Colorado Solar Storage Association is going to zoom in and just give you all a solar 101 introduction. Cool. So we can just, and we're going to try to schedule things like that just to get our minds going in the right direction. Um, so we're just all better educated and understand. Um, but we don't want to do what they're doing in California. But then, no. <laughs> no. Uh, 
Well, <laughs> it's a great they try to be polite. Uh, yeah, that would catch a lot. <laughs> and then um, after that, we don't have anything scheduled, but we have. Are you suggesting? No. All right, we don't have anything scheduled on the books yet. You got time. But that can change. So we'll update you on the 15th of what that looks like. And um, and last, your, uh, I mentioned to some of you. Uh, we're gonna have a little photo op right now. Um, really, right yeah. now? Yes, picture of the planning commission holding the plan, <laughs> and you're all gonna be all over social media. <laughs> Wasn't that for the commissioners? I told the audience to the That'll make us targets in the community. I do have sure. Does anybody not want one? I don't want one. I'm a straight laptop these days. Uh, I want to buy them. I was going to say, I want my iPad. When you bring them, we're going to pass them around. That's a good idea. I like that. Where would you guys like to all stand? Right where you are? Where would you like to be? should be right here with the flags. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I'm yeah. Some stand. How about some of those sit? Whatever you'd like to do. Yeah, that'd be good. That's good. Three guys that are sitting here.